Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no offseason, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on the 8th day of March 2018 from my kitchen as I boil an egg. That's right, I'm in my kitchen. My window in Pasadena overlooks the historic Rose Bowl, and I am having a hard-boiled egg and an orange for breakfast. Why am I having a hard-boiled egg and an orange for breakfast? Because what I would love to have is a giant stack of pancakes, maple syrup, uh, maybe a Hershey's bar stuck into it, and wash it down with a chocolate frap. But your pal Sully is trying to get back into his player shape. I'm trying to get myself back being healthier and everything like that. And, but Sully, eggs are terrible. Shut up! I'm not having a ham and cheese omelet. I'm having a hard-boiled egg and an orange and a glass of tea or a cup of tea for my breakfast. So I'm having, having my protein, having my fruit, having my tea to help the stuff move around inside my body because that is the way I'm trying to adjust my life. It's a rebuilding process for your pal Sully. You could say that I was tanking and trying to get a good draft pick, but no, it doesn't work like that in life. I am a rebuilding process with my body. All right, let's talk about baseball. You know, you look up and you you see that Cobb and Lynn and Arietta are all still available. And we've only got a couple more weeks left of spring training. You know, the, it's going to be the middle of March in just a couple of days. And the season begins at the end of March. So I'm trying to figure out a you know what I'm doing with the podcast, some changes I'm doing for the season. You know, I got to start up doing Who Owns Baseball, which will be an everyday feature on MLBReports.com, and of which will also be featured on the Twitter feed. And all this stuff, and eventually I got to make my official picks. And you could, the, the Minnesota Twins with Lance Lynn is a playoff team. Without Lance Lynn is not a playoff team. The Milwaukee Brewers signing Jake Arrieta, I think, wins the National League Central. You know, the, the, the balance is tipping so much, and you got to think at one point, Things are going to change. But the other thing is you make prediction of what teams are going to be better, what teams are going to be worse, or what teams are building for the future and everything like that. And I'm going to talk about a team that I've been criticized that I talk about too much, but the one is my podcast. I can do what I want. Uh, The San Francisco Giants were a 98-loss team last year after being a consistent winner and a world champion in 20. 14, but the Giants are in an interesting situation. I have in front of me the uh, Street and Smith's baseball preview, and on each team's preview, they have the previous five years, and in the, you know, their, their record for the previous five years. Now, the Giants' records of the previous five years have been 76 and 86 in 2013, 88 and 74 in 2014, 84 and 78 in 2015, 
87 and 75 in 2016, and last year they were 64 and 98. They bottomed out last year, nearly lost 100 games after being a World Series winner in 2014. But in a way, you can see that there was a decline, at least in the win-loss totals, that has been pretty steady since winning 90-some-odd games in 2012. It was, it was kind of eye-opening to me that this franchise hasn't had a 90-win season in the last five years, even though they have a world championship in the last five years and another trip to the division series in 2016, which if they didn't you know, blow a, a huge lead in game four, I believe they probably would have gone to the National League Championship Series. So they have this aura of having a lot of great years in recent seasons when they've had some, a couple of very good seasons. Remember, they contended in 2015, and they had a winning year then as well. But they have not had one of those elite regular seasons since 2012. This is what having the world championship that they had in 2014 has given them an aura of being an elite team when they really haven't been in terms of the 162 grind. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is I do the suffering index at the beginning of the year to sort of say which fan base is suffering the least based upon recent world championships, recent playoff failures, uh, how they do in do-or-die games, all these different things that they that I factor in. And for the first two years that I did it, it's not even close. The San Francisco Giant fans have the least amount of suffering. And it's easy to see why. We have two more years left of this decade. And yes, I'm saying the decade begins in 2010 and ends in 2019 because that is a decade. A 10-year stretch is a decade. So between 2010 and 2019 is a decade. And in that stretch, there's two years left in that, and the Giants have already won three World Series in that stretch. No team can beat them in terms of World Championships in that stretch. The only way a team could match them is if the Cardinals, the Red Sox, the uh, the Royals, the Cubs, or the Astros win the next two World Series. The Astros would have to win three straight World Series to match the Giants' World Series total of this decade. And they did so with a year in 2014 where they were the wildcard team and the visiting wildcard team at that. Remember, they didn't have home field advantage in the wild card game. The 2014 Giants would not have made the playoffs under the old format. They happened to beat the you know, they, they and, and they ran you know they they rode Madison Bumgarner all the way to the World Series title. Now, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because the Giants still have this aura of hey, you know what? They had a bad year last year. But maybe they could be a contender this year. And to be sure, if Madison Bumgarner is healthy, and if Johnny Cueto is healthy, and they get 
anything out of Samarja or Ty Block or Chris Stratton, then you can look up and say, man, Giants have a real shot this year. They do. If Mark Melanson is anything this year, or some combination of Hunter Strickland or Kyle or, or um, sorry, Sam Dyson, anyone like that, they have put in major leaguers. They plugged in Evan Longoria and Andrew McCutcheon and Austin Jackson into the team. So then you're looking around. They're not relying on Gorky's Hernandez to play 150 games. You could look and say, we have an infield of Belt, Panic, Crawford, and Longoria. With Buster Posey is inevitably going to play a lot of first base as well with Nick Humbley. It's a major leaguer at each position with a couple of potential aces in the staff. The Giants are a team that I look at and said, hey, look it. Are they better than Los Angeles? No. But the possibility of them being better than Colorado, Arizona, St. Louis, or even the Cubs or the Brewers is not out of line. Now, this being the end of, you know, we're winding down this decade and this run for the Giants. You have to take a step back and say, if this fan base is suffering the least, how's my egg doing? A little bit longer. If this fan base is suffering the least, as it has, you know, piled up the multiple championships of this decade, at what point do you cash in on that goodwill? And the fact that the fans are taken care of and look forward to the future. The Philadelphia Phillies in the early 2010s were on a great roll. But they were kind of desperate to win that second title. And they held on to their core group a, a little too long to the point where they no longer had any trade value. Or not a lot of trade value. Or in the case of... Ryan Howard, zero trade value. And so they kind of held off the rebuilding. What would have been a, a solid rebuild of the Phillies took a little bit longer than it should have. Now the Phillies are putting together a good, solid, young core, but it's still going to take a couple of years for them to reassemble. The, you could make the argument that the Kansas City Royals made a big mistake this um, this past season by not trading Lorenzo Cain and Mike Moustakis at the trade deadline when they had a tremendous amount of value because they thought the, the wild card was certainly within their sight, as was even, you know, by the, at the All-Star game, it looked like even the American League Central was within their sight. So they think, well, we got to go for it. We got to go for it. But they went for it and it didn't work. I look at this Giants team, and they could contend. They could contend. And it could be another fun year at AT&T Park. But they are coming off a 98-loss season, and it's been a while since they've been a 90-win season in San Francisco. It was Obama's first term was the last time they had a 90-win season. 
And if you have a team that is this loaded with veterans, as they looks like they're going to be, you got to take a look at this squad and say, you have until the end of June. Because if it's the end of June and the Rockies have regressed and the Diamondbacks are disappointing and the Cardinals are not, you know, killing it and the Brewers and the Cubs are not running away with it, if you're within three or four games at the end of June of a playoff spot, not saying catching L.A., I'm saying of a playoff spot. If you're within three or four games, then you go for it. But if you're not, and if you're eight or nine games out, or you're trailing, you know, you're, you're behind both Colorado and Arizona, or some surprise team in the National League is making a run for the wild card, then the Giants have to trade. And I would almost make the argument trade everyone. Now, there's talk about extending Madison Baumgartner's contract. And the notion of having one or two guys from the championship years be the people that you cling on to and say, hey, hey, we still got Posey, we still got Baumgartner, which would be the two that I would point to because they're the two beloved giants who probably have statues. And I think we'll probably remain to be productive players in four or five years. Okay. But listen to me right now, Giants. Listen to me right the F now. If it is June 30th and you are not within four games of a playoff spot, put a for sale sign over everyone other than Bumgarner and Posey. If Longoria is hitting well, if McCutcheon is playing well, if Pence is playing well, if Crawford, Panic, if Belt, if you have a healthy Samarja, if you have a healthy Cueto, any veteran in your rotation, any veteran in your bullpen, trade them right then and now. The farm system the Giants have is not exactly brimming with some of the top prospects in baseball. There's not a lot of you know, you can sort of say, hey, we got uh, Brian Reynolds is coming, isn't he? Um, Chris Shaw? Nope, nope. You don't have, you know, Tyler Beatty's still there, he, but he's 25. You know? You have Jacob Gonzalez, Luis Gonzalez's son, but none of these players are considered to be top honking prospects. And let me tell you something. If you have built in the goodwill of a fan base that is not suffering, this is when you got to cash it in. And to be super aggressive about it. And to not be sentimental about it. I pointed to my Red Sox. Uh, and, the, you know, I'm not saying the Red Sox are a model organization. But I will say this. Their lack of sentimentality has helped them. They broke up the team in 2004 pretty quickly. They didn't be sentimental about Pedro or Derek Lowe or you know Kevin Millar, Bill Miller, Johnny Damon, or any of those players. And before you know it, a pretty different team in 2007 was in the World Series. They weren't sentimental about that 2007 team. 
When they broke up that team, it got ugly. 2011-2012 were rough years, but they slapped together a team in 2013 that won. Boston Strong, they won the World Series. Were they sentimental about that team? Nope. They weren't sentimental about Napoli and Gomes and Victorino and all those guys. Yes, they were Boston Strong. Yes, they had the beards. Yes, they loved them. Beloved players, get out of here. And by, you know, it's a little bit of a rough spot. And by 2016, they're back in the postseason. 2017, won back-to-back division titles. 2018, they are a solid playoff contender again. And sometimes that lack of sentimentality allows you to build from within. Now the Giants, going for it this year. If they don't, there is no room for sentimentality. Don't worry. Fans will, be, are, will love these players forever. They will. And by bringing back Pablo Sandoval at the Red Sox dime last year and having him get a couple of big hits was a way to sort of say, hey, Pablo, I know it didn't end well between us, but you're a multiple champion. You're a World Series MVP. Come on. Come on over here, Pablo. I'll give you a little noogie. Okay? But they can't be sentimental with this team. This is already the most beloved team in the history of the Giants. And you think about the players who are going to be beloved from that squad. Bumgarner, Posey. They're at the front. Lincecum is just the emotion that fans have behind Lincecum. You know, they didn't bring him back for, you know, for a, for a dime. But, you know, he'll always be beloved no matter what. Kane, Sandoval patched things up. And then, you, you know, Hunter Pence. Edgar Renteria's home run, Marco Scudero's big hits. All those players, they're, they're going to be beloved. And you can bring them out and wave to the, to, the, to the fans. But if there's any team that can afford to tank, it's the Giants. And it isn't even tanking. It would just be smart. If come June, they're not contending, and you see players that have some value... Do it. Because here's the thing about when you hear people complaining about tanking and everything. It's smart. It's a smart thing to do. I, I have a hard time understanding a lot of the criticism of it in the way that what's a team supposed to do? Are they supposed to be mediocre? Are they supposed to be a veteran team that is going nowhere? Because let me tell you something. That's what the Phillies became. After they losing the 2011 playoffs to St. Louis, the year they probably should have stampeded to the World Series. They lost that playoff series and then spent the next, what, three or four, maybe, yeah, the next three or four years trying to cling to that. And they became the worst kind of team. Not good enough to contend, and not young enough to be excited about the future. If you're going to be bad, be bad with young players building towards something. I think the primary criticism towards what the the Marlins are doing is that they look like they were building towards something already, and that they didn't get much in return for it. And the fact that this is more of the same thing. But I, I know several people who are White Sox fans. Knowing about bringing in 
uh, Lucas Galito, knowing about bringing Yohan Mankata, knowing about trading for Eloy uh, Jimenez, Michael Kopech. I don't know if I'm pronouncing everyone's name correctly, but the fact that they have a absolutely stacked farm system, and a big chunk of that is through the trades of Quintana, Sale, um, uh, Eaton to, the, to, to Washington. That they're excited about that because of the promise of the future. Nothing's worse than being bad and old and having people say, hey, but, but, but didn't you love the past? That's what the Giants can't become. They can't become the Phillies or what happened to them. They can't become, to a lesser degree, the Royals and keeping the group together one year too long when you could have kick-started a rebuilding process. I know it's a hard trigger to pull, but if they had pulled that trigger, they could have got probably two good players for Moustakas and two good players for Kane. And it would have helped Moustakas because he would probably be signed already if he didn't already have the free agent compensation attached to him which would have been removed if he was traded in midseason. And the Royals' rebuilding process would be in step, you know, at least step one and maybe step two at this point. The rebuilding process for the White Sox is in step two or three. I think the White Sox are going to be a very good team in 2019. They'll probably struggle this year. Players will have their growing pains. But then they'll be really good and they'll be a good, solid, young team. The Yankees became an exciting team again when they unleashed their veterans and turned to their farm. And I'm telling you, you're going to see some of these teams that people are complaining about them tanking, and you'll start to see some of them are going to be better over the next bunch of years. When you have a low suffering index like the San Francisco Giants have, you can afford... To say to your fans, hey, it may be lean for one or two years, but then we're going to be back in it. And they could go a long way. Now, as someone who is my favorite national team is the San Francisco Giants, I would like to see them make the playoffs. And I'm not saying tank. You understand? I'm, I am saying go for it because the National League wildcard is winnable. And as we saw... If you have a Baumgartner at its top of his field or a Quade or someone like that, and you get to a wild card game, you can make some progress. They won the World Series in 2014 on Baumgartner. If they had a decent bullpen who could have held, what, a three or four run lead in that game four against the Cubs, that series goes to game five with Cueto on the mound. That's at least even money. And I think with all the pressure on the Cubs, that may have been enough. The Giants getting into the playoffs, suddenly they become Bochy at the helm, Posey and Bumgarner still there. There's still a flavor of it being enough players from that 2014 team between Panic and Belt and all of them. Oop, my egg is done. It's possible. And yet, we have to be honest, if it doesn't happen, 
you got to start wrecking the crew right now. Because for the fans, even if they have two or three terrible years, the suffering index for their fan base will be astonishingly low because of all the recent success. You can cash in that recent success with a carefully planned rebuild now. This is a crossroads for the Giants. You know, part of me thinks maybe they should sign an Alex, uh, uh, you know, an Alex Cobb or a, or a Lance Lynn and say, hey, here's our, you know, you'll be our number three starter. All of a sudden the Giants have a playoff caliber rotation and blah, blah, blah. And if they're not contending by the end of June, then you wind up trading them. Part of me thinks, why not? You know, why not bring one of them aboard? But this is a franchise that's in a weird crossroad. The road to them making the playoffs is not absurd. But they have to do it right away. Because if they fall apart, they could have a team loaded with trade chips. And if you just get one good player, what you know, one player into their farm, infusing their farm with good, solid, young talent, the turnaround could be quick. The Giants are a big-budget team. The Giants play in a great fan base, in a park that, at least if you're a pitcher, you're dying to play for, and with a Hall of Fame manager. And the idea of them rebuilding, yeah, it's not a dirty word. And there has been regression with the team that has been masked by that world championship in 2014. Team in a crossroad. Do not fall to sentimentality. If you're not winning, then build towards the next winning season. You had a great decade already. Maybe have one eye looking towards the next decade even if you start that next decade in 2021, which, believe it or not, is not that far away. So go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Making an egg and pleading to the Giants. This has been Sully Baseball for the 8th day of March 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.